0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast today here on this Thursday, November 5th, 2020. On the show today, we have a little bit of Nationals news, and then we're going to get to part two of our 2020-2021 free agency primer. Right now uh, is free agency season, no big moves have come yet, and the Nationals are looking at a few guys. We're going to go through a few lists of players and kind of speculate about which ones would be good fits For the Nats, which ones make sense, which ones do not make sense, uh, and why. So we'll get into all that and a whole lot more here on today's Locked On Nationals podcast. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get to it here on this Thursday, November 5th, 2020. Josh Napers here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. A little bit of Nationals news first. Aaron Barrett has been re-signed by the Nationals, and he will be a non-roster invitee. This is according to Britt Giroli of The Athletic. Also, other notable non-roster invitees, Adrian Sanchez and Brandon Snyder. So there's a little bit of Nats news. Obviously, a lot of us are very familiar with the story, uh, the amazing story of Aaron Barrett, and it's good to see him back with the Nationals and also getting an invite to spring training. Now let's move on to the, uh, the really item of the hour, which is free agency. And if you guys want to listen to part one of my free agency primer, that is up in your podcast feed right now. So I kind of went through some of the big names. I used the top 20 names and Michael Bauman's list, and we'll go through some of those guys again. But Mark Zuckerman over at Masson put together some really good lists. For potential players, the Nationals could be after at certain positions, and I think those are pretty good indicators. There's a pretty good uh, lists to use, and I'll agree with all of them, um, and I think there's some names that are left out that, that should be on there, but pretty decent lists and good place to start. I mean, nobody knows the Nats uh, like Zuck does, so that is probably a pretty good place for us to begin. One thing, though, before we get to this, and I don't think I hammered this hard enough yesterday, is that... The effect of not knowing whether or not there is going to be a designated hitter in the National League is a really unfair advantage for NL teams in this free agency period. Uh, And I'm going to use the example here because I've been reading so much. You know, we talked about Marcelo Zuna yesterday, and I think he's a good example, right? If the Nationals know they have a designated hitter, Marcelo Zuna would be a good fit in the team. Yes, he could play in the outfield some. But that's somebody whose defense is not great, and unless you have to, you, you know, you don't have to put him out there. You can DH him. Uh, his, is statistically speaking, I mean, he was good enough to justify DHing, right? A guy like Nelson Cruz becoming available, that's somebody that the Nationals can consider being a full-time DH, and they can't right now because they don't know if they're going to have a designated hitter in 2020, uh, in 2021, rather. So... I want to make that point. I don't think I made it enough yesterday, and I w- I think that's an important part of the conversation. Also, too, I'm starting to look more into what I think the numbers are going to be for a lot of these players, and I think affordability uh, is going to be – there's going to be a bit more affordability for Nats. I think they're going to have a bit more wiggle room with a lot of these guys. So today I want to start out with the outfield, and I'm not – I don't know. It's, it's pretty weird. I'm, I go back and forth on whether or not I feel comfortable with all the outfield options out there. There are so many of them. And I definitely think the Nats need to target George Springer. We talked about that a lot. And Zuckerman believes that you know that their interest in him is going to be high. I do too. But the question is, if they don't get him where do they go next right marcelo ozuna is one of the options we talked about and we we spent some time saying well his defense isn't very good and also is you know you have to recognize uh that you know he's a dh right and and the national league there's no guarantee that there's going to be a dh i talked a little bit, a little bit about michael brantley but the problem there being is he, he doesn't really provide as much support in terms of power hitting, in terms of protection of a guy like Juan Soto, that's somebody that you'd put towards more the front of your lineup, not a guy that you'd have hitting in the heart 3 four, five, right? That is not a player that is going to sit there and really help you protect the big bat that is Juan Soto. So, moving down the list, the next one is Jock Peterson. And I actually, I like this one a lot, because first off, his hitting performance, especially last season, was very poor. Uh, In 138 plate appearances, he hit 190 at a 285 on base, 397 slugging, 681 OPS, seven home runs, uh, 16 RBIs, and in right field, he was a little bit above average as a, uh, he was one in defensive runs saved. So, uh, I mean, you know, not a detriment to your team, obviously, uh, is kind of the, the point right there. The contract for him would be pretty cheap. I mean, he's just 28 years old, and... Uh, it's a bit of a risk, right? I mean, you would be spending, I think, around 8 to $12 million. I think that is the range that you would see Jock Peterson uh, get. And I think that's what he would accept as well, too. And my interest in him here is he's a really good hitter when it comes to hitting right-handed pitching. He is uh, an ace at that. It's, that, is his, that is his specialty. He is dreadful when it comes to hitting left-handed pitching. He's also a very good, very, very good playoff hitter. So you get kind of a mixture of things there, right? It's somebody that you can add. It's, you know, not the solution, but at that dollar figure, you know, you're you're hoping that he can be kind of an everyday guy, right? This is somebody that, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, you're going to face a majority, I guess, right-handed, um, a majority of your pitchers in major leagues are right-handed pitchers. It's a guy who's going to be in a lot of those spots, but you're not sure if you can keep him in the game late because, you know, if they go to a left a lefty out of the pen, which often does happen, you're going to be in some trouble. Uh, It's not the guy you want in the game at that point in time. So uh, I think he causes some unique issues, but also too, I think defensively he's very solid. And this is a team in the Nationals that needs more solid defense, right? This is a team that that definitely uh, is looking to bolster the defense and also improve. Juan Soto and Victor Robles down years defensively. And because of that, that's also opened my eyes a little bit more. I just think that Juan, you know, it doesn't have to be in left, right? Like he can be in right. I mean, unless the drop off is significant and he needs to raise his defensive play. But I'm curious to see the difference between those two. I'm curious to see if a guy like Jock Peterson could play left field. And we know he can know he's got a good arm. So I'd be interested to see what he would bring to the table as a left fielder. Uh, not the best defensive player. He's had his ups and downs, but I think that's a player that's pretty solid. He's not going to be too expensive. There is going to be some risk there that you take with him, but also it's a player that we know has shown flashes of being a a top-end player. He has not showed it lately, but I think that's somebody that should be considered in this free agency class and somebody that fits in pretty well for the Nationals in the outfield. The next one he lists is Ryan Braun. Uh, I'm not buying that one just because he's 37 years old. It's not somebody you want to put in the outfield. And I'm skeptical of how good he could be out there, especially at 30 at that age at 37. All right, next let's take a little glance here at Jackie Bradley Jr. I think this is an interesting one, right? He's going to raise your defensive play. That is for sure. But the issue being he is a defensive minded center fielder. Uh, He's somebody who spent most of the time in his career in center. And I think the Nationals are content on giving Victor Robles another run out there in center field. They want to give him another chance uh, to show what he's got to see if he can hit a little bit more, but time is running out. Connor Jones and I spoke about this at length a couple weeks ago and saying, look, I'm not sure how much more time can you give him, right? I mean, how much more, how many more opportunities can you give Victor Robles out there in center field? Uh, You know, defensively, we know he can do it, but he didn't do it that well this year and he didn't hit that well either. So He's gonna to have to bring it. He's gonna to have to provide uh, that spark. Uh, Victor Robles moving forward, but I don't think now is the right time for the Nats to go and get a guy like a Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, the projection here is three years, 24 million. I Think he might get a little bit more than that. That's just me. I, I don't. I can't tell you specifically why. I, I mean. I do think there's a chance that teams see, you know, some upside there and think that he can improve his hitting. And last year was a good omen, obviously hitting 283 and 217 plate appearances with a 364 on base. So I, I do think people see some upside there and that could cause him to get a uh, paid a bit more, but I don't know if that is the best solution for the nationals. The last one on this list is Adam Eaton, right? I'm curious about this one because I could see the Nationals bringing him back if things don't go well. The more and more I look at this entire list of guys that are available in the outfield, the more I think that there is a chance that the Nationals don't find the player they want or they miss out on the big guys, they miss out on Peterson, they miss out, obviously, the big one being Springer. And and they want to go on the cheap, they could bring back Adam Eden and it would not be too expensive. I mean, he's he's gonna be on a probably a one year to two year prove-it deal. And I know the season he had was pretty bad, but once again, there is justification that for the right price, you could bring him back. And if you also to if you're uh, you know, if you make a big splash and you signed a JT Real Muto and you say, Okay, we gotta go a bit cheaper in the outfield, especially if we want to bolster the rotation the way we want to. I could see them re signing Eaton. I don't think that's the worst strategy in the world. But once again, that is contingent on you spending money elsewhere. So it matters where it goes. And, uh, you know, Eden's contract, I mean, you end up, you know, you had to buy him out for around one and a half million dollars. You'd end up lowering the number you're going to spend on him by about five million, getting him back. Guy who knows the team pretty well. So I I don't think this is a slam dunk. I don't think this is the most likely scenario. I just want to point that one out as a likely one. But I do, uh, likely one, as one that could potentially happen. That is, that is something that we have to consider uh, in this free agency class. And once again, I think there's going to be a lot of volatility with the spending and with the, uh, the financial hardship that a lot of these clubs suffered throughout the pandemic, throughout the shortened season, etc. So once again, top, top target for the nationals is george springer in the outfield and we talked about him yesterday but that's top target and that would be the perfect guy he's just he makes so much sense to compliment right to compliment juan soto in the lineup bringing him in just doesn't make a ton of sense he can fit in the outfield he can play right field i know he's a, normally a center fielder but he can play right he's got a lot of experience playing right field marcelo zuna I'm a bit cool on if you guarantee me a dh i'd say yeah that one makes a lot more sense Michael Brantley I'm also cool on because he's not the kind of bat that would complement uh, Juan Soto too well. Really good bat to have in the front of the lineup, don't get me wrong, but they're looking for that compliment. They're looking for that protection, like we talked about so many times, and... That brings us to Jock Peterson, that if, if Jock can bring the power a little bit, that's at least somebody that you can float with, uh, you know, protecting Juan Soto maybe if he gets on a bit of a roll, but it's going to depend on the spot. But if you're looking to fill that right field spot, if you're looking to not pay too much, Jock Peterson's a guy that is a little bit of a risk, but somebody that could pay dividends for the Nationals. I said no to Ryan Braun. And then finally we arrived, uh, also Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't think that was the right spot, not the right time. Too volatile uh, with the hitting. Not enough consistency to show that he could protect a guy in the front of the lineup. Adam Eaton, not as protection, but as somebody that, hey, if you go get, like I said, go get J.T. Real Muto. If you go spend money on a guy like that, then there is a chance that you could say, hey, we want to spend money on our rotation. Let's bring back Eaton for a low cost and have him play right field. Uh, And maybe, you know, if that doesn't go well, you can slide somebody else out there, maybe a Stevenson, maybe a Josh Harrison. It depends. But I think that's not an option we should rule out. Uh, So we're going to go to catchers next. We're going to spend a little bit of time on catchers. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. All right, let's talk about catchers here uh, for the Nationals in the offseason, in in the free agency window. So we know at this point in time the Nationals do have Jan Gomes under contract. They're looking to get a second catcher. First move they could do, just going to acknowledge this, they could bring somebody up, Tres Barrera being the obvious one that they could bring up and say, hey, you're going to be our second catcher. Would not rule that out as a possibility. But if you're a Nationals fan, I think you're a bit more bullish on them and going acquiring somebody and anybody. I mean, if you make Jan Gomes your second catcher, especially with the year that he had, and if you can recreate that at all, you're saying, look, we got the best catching tandem uh, in the entire league. So I think the curiosity is there for fans. I also think, too, the front office will make a play at a catcher. So going through some of the names, that's. Mark Zuckerman is listed, and this article came out today at at the catching position. These are really good uh, pieces, good barometers to use, guys. So I I encourage you all to go check out Mark Zuckerman's lists for potential guys at each position. But JT Real Muto is the first one. We talked about him as well. I think the one point I want to double back to on Real Muto is that the more that you look through the entire list, of catchers this offseason, the more appealing and the more money you almost think you should get. You, you just say, wow, all of these guys aren't him in so many different ways, and Rio Muto is really this all-around athletic, uh, good defending, awesome hitting catcher, right? this He f- checks all the boxes, especially for the Nats. He can protect Soto. He's a good defensive catcher. He's a guy that can do a little bit better holding runners. Uh, we think he's got a good arm. So that is something... The Nationals fans and the Nats in general, uh, it's what makes it a good fit, right? That's what makes Nationals fans want him. But we have to acknowledge the competition is going to be stiff. Uh, The Mets are going to be informed. The Phillies want to re-sign him. The Nationals, if they're in on him too, and this is why I said this, you know, we said this a bunch. We talked to a bunch of different guys, Dan Wilson, Connor Jones, Ryan Finkelstein, I mean... The idea that JTO Real Muto, there's a good chance he's going to stay in, in the division, right? It feels like there's three teams that are legitimately interested in his services and have a good chance at signing him. Um, and I think all three of those teams should consider paying that king's ransom. And I think it's going to be uh, upwards of $20 million. I think for sure it is it's going to be upwards of $20 million a year for Real Muto. That's a little bit... I, I struggle with that just because you worry about catchers, right? You, you worry about catchers at uh, plus 30. And guys, you know, they're pretty durable. But, you know, they're always, you feel like one injury away. Uh, you always feel like you're one injury away from being in a spot where, oh, my God, we have to find a new position for this guy. And especially if you don't have a designated hitter, you're in a bit of trouble. Once again, fingers crossed we're going to get a D8, right, everybody? I and mean, that, that's kind of the hope is that we do end up getting uh, a designated hitter. So Rio Muto, all that in the bag of chips, uh, that's kind of the the story on him. The other guy, James McCann, right? James McCann is somebody who's 30 years old coming uh, from the White Sox. He's not all the way, he's not JT, JT Real Muto, but he's a very good hitter. The defense is behind the offense, but I think Nats fans, Nats front office would trade a little bit in that category. They have in the past. I mean, uh, Kurt Suzuki, not the most outstanding defensive catcher, but they did, you know, he's a pretty decent hitter. I, I think McCann brings a good all around. Uh, a good all round offensive game that he could contribute to the Nationals. And that's somebody that I think you're going to get around uh, $10 million per year. I-, I think you could get him for two or three years if, you- if you're interested in locking up a catcher that long. The Nationals typically don't, um, even though they're still paying Matt Wieters. <laughs> but uh, in recent history, they have not committed long-term to the last couple of years at least. They have not committed long-term to a catcher. Another name, Yadier Molina on this one, he's at 38. Yes, if he's the second guy, right? If, if he's the second catcher. It'd be bizarre to see Yadier Molina not in a Cardinal uniform. So I think that is that is the most, I don't know, I'm not saying realistic possibility, but it's just bizarre to think about that. But there's a lot of guys who end up changing positions, right, or changing teams. So he's 38 years old, and that's where your concern goes, right? He still has He's still a pretty decent hitter, um, but – movement wise athletically that's where your concern is and you're going to think hey it's it's a one year deal and you're paying him really in my opinion for what he brings in offensively this season that that's that's really where i see his value being and we're to a point now we you know we're talking about kind of getting to these mid level guys I think that if if you see the Nationals go for a few of these mid-level guys, right, they're going to be going to to try to not piece stuff together, but they're going to say, hey, let's put some good players in there. Let's not make the big gigantic splash. Let's commit to a, a few shorter-term contracts. You know, let's get a good pitcher. Let's get a solid catcher. Let's get an, a known quantity as an outfielder. That's a solution, and I'm not, I don't think it's a bad one. I think you're you know you might be saying, look, if this team can put the right parts together. You know, do you necessarily need the other superstar like Anthony Rendon when you've got Trey Turner and Juan Soto? Or is it just about the right complementary pieces and then supporting that pitching staff more? That's not a bad strategy. It's not a strategy that I, that I think, you know, is, is completely invalid. So, you know, I'd be curious to see if the Nationals say, all right, if we're not going to go big fish hunting, which I still think they are right now. But if one of those guys, you know, if they get priced out and they say, oh, we don't want to spend too much on one guy. Totally reasonable to spend a decent amount of money on a few separate players. And I think right now, those three that we're looking at are catcher, as we said, outfield, and then uh, also starting pitching. So we'll, and we'll do starting pitching. We'll talk about some tonight with Connor Jones. Uh, tonight with him, we're going to talk about the bullpen. We're going to talk about bullpen pitchers that could target, and then starting pitchers that could target as well, too. So a full episode, uh, really juicy one coming later today. Uh, it's going to come Tonight. And with that, let's finish up here at catcher. Let's look at a few of the other names that could happen. One I think is interesting is Mike Zanino, who struggled offensively but is going to be cheap. And so if you want one as your second catcher, I mean, if you're getting Mike Zanino, maybe at this point you might as well just bring up Tres Barrera and see what you have there. But he is a veteran. The one thing the Nationals don't need is actually more veteran players who have been to a World Series and have that experience. The Nats still have plenty of that on their roster. But if you're looking to bring in a guy on a one-year deal to catch for you, I think that's somebody that is is an option who had a bad offensive year, but once again, a guy that would be positioned, you know, pretty well as, as your second catcher, right? There is no bones about that. He would be your second catcher. The last guy on this list is Kurt Suzuki at 37. I don't think there's a chance in hell. Uh, I think there is no chance the Nationals go ahead and and do this. So a catcher, you know, if you're looking to go cheap, yeah, maybe Mike Ziniño's the guy. Maybe you bring back Wilson Ramos and hope that he he gives you some offensive output, but I think, you know, if you're going to go that cheap, Tres Pereira might just be the option. You might just bring Tres Barrera up and see what you have there at that catcher spot. So there's a few ways to go here. I like the fact the Nationals have options. I also like the fact they've already got a good catcher. And they've got a catcher who hit pretty well this year. And a guy that I think a lot of fans and the front office and the coaching staff is starting to build up some confidence in, in Jan Gomes. So, obviously, if we're going big fish hunting here, we love J.T. Real Muto. If we're not, James McCann's a solid second option. But, um, you know, and if he's going to be one of those guys we are going to build, you know, a, a good player in right, uh, a good player catcher, let's go get a pretty uh, known quantity as a starting pitcher. He fits into that rebuild model. But as for these options... I think once you start going to lower level guys, you know, there's you kind of splitting hairs. You to bring up Tresperera or a guy that's not a very good hitter like Mike Zeno who's who struggled at the plate. So, you know, because I mean, the worst thing that Tresperera could do is struggle at the plate. And actually, to be honest with you, the defense is the issue for him. Right? There's there's not a whole lot of issues for him when it comes to hitting. Uh, his his numbers they've been pretty good. The Nationals have some options at catcher. That is, I'm actually less worried about catcher than I am about the outfield. I'm really curious to see what the Nationals do at the outfield, and I'm wondering how willing they are to move the guys around out there, move Soto to right after that bad defensive year, and wondering if that makes a change, put a better defensive guy out and left, accommodate somebody who's a natural left fielder. I think all of those options are realistic, and... But I, I don't know how encouraged I am by all of them, right? You you kind of wonder, well, how does the defense look? Uh, you know, do you love the idea of moving your best player from that position that he, you know, I guess likes playing uh, just to get another bat in the lineup? Could that mess with him at all at the plate? I don't think it would, but that there's always that possibility that the confidence in the field could uh, touch the confidence at the plate. But with him, it's not really the biggest concern in the world. Uh, he's very, very long on confidence, which we love. So... So to me, catcher is more interesting for, I guess you could say, a positive reason. Outfield, I just, I, I don't know how it's going to go because there's just, I mean, there's a glut of outfielders normally, and there's only so many good catchers out there. There's only so many, um, you know, reliable options at catcher, and uh, a lot of times you're just kind of pacing it together, but I think money-wise, you kind of know what's going to happen at catcher, right? There's a couple decent-level guys that you want to sign. There's the big fish, JT Real Amuto. Uh, And that's not a pun intended for when he used to play on the Marlins. And then there's the kind of the, okay, there's lower tier guys, or do we just bring up one of the guys who's catching in our farm system like a Tres Pereira? So that's that's a bit more clear. All right, guys, go check out uh, us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Also check out the Lockdown MLB podcast and make sure you guys keep it locked into the On Nationals podcast feed because as soon as there is a big signing, as soon as something happens with the Nats, we are going to be all over it. We will have a podcast. We'll have instant reaction. This is a very, very exciting uh, time of year. So pumped up to just keep talking free agency with you all still doing daily podcasts. Sorry for the lack of, earlier in the week but um yeah we're back we're firing on all cylinders and this is a really fun part of the year sometimes the off season can be a bit more fun the actual season and especially in the case of the year the Nats just had I think the off season this time around is a bit more fun so uh appreciate you guys listening stay safe out there